This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, I'm Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine, and this is another edition of WCM's Park Update. Of course, my esteemed colleague Mike Gast is here in Nebraska. In Nebraska. He loves the weather. He's loving a new place, so maybe they'll find him so he can get his mail at some point. So. Yeah, and I, I haven't put anything in my walls yet because I like feeling like I'm actually sitting in a snowbank. So, <laughs> And then our guest today is Kara Sismadia, and she is she works with the Canadian Camping and RV Council. And Kara, it's snowy up there, right? Or is it or is there not a lot of snow up there? You know what? We are in the midst of a, uh, gosh, I don't even know if you could, if this terminology would apply to you guys down there. We're in the midst of a Chinook. Um, so the weather has been lovely and beautiful here at the base of the Rockies for the last, I don't know, week or so. Um, so we've been seeing above zero temperatures. Um, gosh, I'm trying to do the conversion in my head quick. Um, but yeah, it was, we had some really rough uh go here around uh well prior to the new year but uh, the last little bit has been really temperate and moderate which has been great great to get out and ski and skate and do all those winter things when it's not you know the, but a, a, a schnook also means that the wind's blowing about 40 miles an hour right well yeah there's that <laughs> but i it's funny i am so um impacted by sun sun and it's always sunny here even if it's windy even if it's minus 40 the sun is out and I will take that every day over gloomy gray rainy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah so you live in Calgary Alberta and um I mean your your pictures you show on Facebook I mean you're like in an Instagram like area like all the time with all the <laughs> mountains and everything so uh it's really beautiful mm-hmm. I know here in Michigan, it's been really warm too and sunny. Um, so, you know, I love the sun. If it was like cold and sunny all the time, it'd be great, but it gets gray and you never see the sun and that's when it gets depressing. So yeah, it's not for me. I'll take sunshine <laughs> every day over that. Yeah. So we wanted to bring Kara on to talk a little bit about the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference and Expo, which is coming up in like another month, right? What are the dates for that? Yeah, don't remind me. um, (laughs) February 15th and 16th, um, we we will be hosting virtually again uh, for our third time in a row here. Um, And and that for sure was a tough decision for our our board to to make that call to stay virtual again. Um, But uh, yeah, coming up February 15th and 16th, you know, obviously there's a couple of great perks to staying virtual in terms of accessibility and stuff, but uh, definitely some hurdles there too. Yeah. So refresh my history a little bit. So did you guys used to do an in-person version of this before COVID and then you had to switch to to virtual, I guess? So the timeline is a little bit longer than that. So the last time there was a national level conference was, um, gosh, several years ago before my time. So I I can't say exactly when it was. I I don't know what year it would have been. it's before my time uh, in the in the dealing with the association and being and participating even before I was a board member. Um, so 
several years now. Um, so part of the reason that event uh, stopped was we were seeing difficulty with gathering in such a large country, people in one central location and, and yeah. some hurdles around that kind of thing, which I'm sure, you know, Arvik and those guys down, down in your neck of the woods face too. Um, yeah. And then uh, the board, our board had uh, put a national level conference on our five-year strategic plan back in, I believe it was 2017 or 18. And then we had planned to kind of roll one out for 2021. Um, and we had started talking about that in about 2019. Um, and obviously we got derailed a little bit with, with what happened in the world. Um, so the, the virtual one we hosted in 2021 was the first national level conference uh, we saw here in Canada for, I think it's probably seven or eight years uh, since, since the last in-person event had happened. Um, so there's certainly in 21, there was big appetite, I think, for members um, to gather in that way in a really collaborative national uh, type event. Um, and, and so we had great attendance and, and lots of interest and it being virtual really facilitated lots of easy attendance no one had to travel anywhere and I think also the COVID scenario really created a dynamic where we were all kind of looking for a, a means to share information with each other and see how the industry was being impacted by this really unprecedented uh, scenario that by that point we were a year almost a year into yeah. um, so yeah, it was it was a perfect storm of interesting uh, variables in that that first year for sure. Um, and then 2022 went really well. It was it was very well attended as well. So I'm excited for 23. Um, it's it's going to be you know another another great event. A little bit pared down, not as many days, but fewer sessions. Um, and that's really a result. We did a an attendee and member survey requesting feedback on, on how that event looked and, and how members would like to see things happen going forward. Um, that's part of why we actually chose the virtual option again. Uh, over 60, almost 65% of respondents to that survey wanted to stay virtual. Okay. Um, and, and so that really dictated that, but, but really also helped us choose, you know, fewer days, a bit less time, um, we got tons of great feedback about the types of sessions uh, members and attendees wanted to see. Uh, and so that's really helped me build a, a, a great agenda for this year. So. so what walk us through the agenda. Tell, tell us exactly what they can expect yeah. to see. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, uh, anyone interested can see it at cohce.ca. Uh, but basically, we'll have a, a very similar format to the last couple of years. Uh, day one will open with a, a great keynote session. We're working on confirming uh, speakers up for that right now and hoping to announce it right away. Um, but then we'll do uh, breakout sessions afterwards in three separate tracks. Uh, so we'll have a couple of those in, in a, like a business basics track, um, a stay informed track, and then an innovation track. Um, so kind of covering the gamut of all, all different kinds of business models and, and where members may be in their ownership journeys and things like that. Um, then we'll break for lunch and and um, and some vendor visit time. And then uh, we'll actually have a second main stage session each of the two days uh, after lunch. 
and uh, some of those kind of bigger topics will actually have a, a EV session that I think will be um, really informative. And then uh, again, breakout sessions in the afternoon. Um, day two will look very similar. The only real change will be a um, kind of final se session at the end, final main stage with our awards announcements where we'll announce the winners of our campground of the year, um, industry person of the year, rising star and supplier of the year awards um, for the whole group. And then thank everyone for joining us. So is this a membership only conference? No, we uh, we certainly are open to non-members as well. Obviously our, our association members get a little price discount um, and uh, you know save, save a bit of money there, but open to anyone. We do already have registrations from a couple of groups in the, in the states who are gonna virtually join us, um, who obviously you know aren't, aren't members of our association, but um, have registered anyway. So uh, anyone join us. And I, you know, I've attended the last two virtual mm -hmm. ones. And as far as virtual conferences go, I mean, yours is probably the best one I've been to. Um, you know, I think in 2021 and 2020, we were all doing virtual conferences. So, mm -hmm. uh, um, and now they've kind of got back to in-person, at least down here in the States. And there's a few virtual conferences here and there still. But I really love the format you guys use and the video, the way you guys, uh, you know, do the uh, sessions, the networking events. Are you guys still doing, I know you guys used to do like this, I'm going to screw this up, like a, like where you had like uh, speed dating for like vendors. Are you still going to be doing that this year? Or? We, we've actually gotten rid of the speed networking. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, we had some that really was out of all of the the components of the past two years oh. that one was the most bogged down by tech issues and and things like that so um you know we've made the tough choice i i i really enjoyed those sessions personally it's yeah. kind of made it able for you to quickly touch base with lots of people within you know a really short window of time um which is the thing that's missing in my opinion from those virtual events um but uh yeah no we've we've moved away from those we are going to try to push so all of our exhibitors will have um uh links directly to their own zoom rooms where they can kind of you can connect at any time and and meet up on on video and things like that so hopefully that will uh motivate folks to still network and spend time in, in conversations with each other but the the dedicated uh speed dating networking stuff is is off the table which sorry sorry ben no no i mean i liked it because i think one of the things missing from the virtual shows is that you mm -hmm. you don't have to meet new people unless you want to yeah. so like you can just like stick because you know you're on the computer so I kind of like the speed dating too because you know it kind of like forced you to maybe talk with people or uh meet people that you may not have done before not that it was something you know I guess forced sounds kind of negative but I mean like you, did you anybody talk to you Ben you know what yeah. Did anybody talk to you during this? You know, surprisingly, I, you know, did the speed dating and nobody ever talked to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
What a shock. So, um, yeah, nobody, to, for clarity, for everyone out there, nobody was forced to participate in the Seed Network. Yeah, nobody was. Choose yeah. to log into that and, and participate. And I'll be honest, that was a bit of a hurdle too, is a lot of folks just didn't log into the networking option. So then you had the same handful of folks kind of getting re-randomly matched to each other over and over. Um, so, you know, like I said, it was it was innovative and a great way to address that connection stuff. But yeah. um, we're we're gonna try to uh, shift things up on that front. So, what can you tell us about the state of uh, the camping industry up there? Sure, that's such a broad question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously we're in the midst of of winter, so the majority, the vast majority of our parks are closed, and and you know, I think right now this time of the year is really kind of re-strategized work, get prepared for next year uh, phase for most of our operators. Um, but in general, in a, in a broad sense, you know, it has been a, a really successful couple of years uh, for campgrounds in this country. Um, we have seen in the last two years, a big um, shift in some of the ownership um, models. You know, we're seeing uh, investment groups and things like that buy up properties quite mm -hmm. a bit um and so i think that's really going to shift some of the um camping scenarios in terms of guest expectations um i think it's going to impact competitive you know the the necessary level of competitiveness that some of our operators are going to have to you know step up in terms of competing with these these big groups that have uh, lots of resources and, and things like yeah. that to add things like pools and and all all kinds of incredible amenities and stuff. So um, yeah, overall, the, I mean, we've got tons of campers in this country. Um, I know in my province, specifically here in Alberta, we have the highest per capita RV ownership. We certainly have site inventory issues. I would love to see us still, uh, we're still facing development hurdles that, you know, if we could, if we could get a hundred more RV parks in this province, we'd we'd fill them. Um, and yeah. so there's limitation on on some on some of those fronts. But overall, um, we've got tons new tons of new RVs on the road over the last couple of years. Um, those folks are going to continue to camp, and and you know I think we're seeing a shift in terms of the ability for or the willingness for guests to book as long in advance. They're kind of waiting and, and not booking as far in advance, but mm. typically our um, average length of stay is a bit longer. Folks are staying, you know, three to five nights instead of two to four. Um, I, I think 23 will be interesting to see how, how that stuff carries through from, from last year. Obviously 2021 was the banner year for everybody. And, and, I don't think anyone expected to stay at that crazy high level of, of um, demand, but uh, hopefully we can maintain as much longevity as possible through 2023. And yeah. So how about, how about campers flowing across the border? Did they, did the campers from the States come back? Yeah. 2022, we started to see that, uh, that shift back to um, specifically kind of along the Alaska highway route. Um, and then obviously, you know, down east, lots of our our um, maritime provinces really depend on on that traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and that was a bit more limited. They really were um, cautious about reopening and, and things like that out there. Um, but we've seen, you know, several of our our tourism association groups do a lot of work at the at the federal government level to advocate for our tourism businesses in in 2022, and that really had a big impact on getting things open and, and operational again. Um, 2023 is is definitely that's a focus is is really bringing back as much of that um, uh, non Canadian uh, traffic as possible. So uh, the Americans were also seeing lots of um, work on the on the front over in Europe in terms of you know advertising great package deals and and working with those RV rental companies. Um, you know, bringing flights back over from Germany and things like that that hadn't been happening for the past couple of years, um, getting those back into some of our international airports. So, um, yeah, lot, lots of expectation to see uh, American and, and European guests come back. Well, I think it, it, it's been great for the shows. I think at the glamping show, there were some Canadian um, mm -hmm. visitors there. And then uh, at the KOA conference this past fall, um, yeah. I saw quite a few of the KOA Canadian park mm -hmm. owners there so it was yeah. great seeing um seeing the Canadians again so uh, uh <laughs> but uh I think we'll have to take a break to recognize our sponsor and we will be back in a few seconds WCM's park update is being brought to you by Woodall's Campground Magazine for over five decades, Woodall's Campground Magazine has aimed to provide park owners and operators with the relevant industry news they need to run their businesses more efficiently. As times have changed, so has Woodall's Campground Magazine. Besides just its print publication, which is distributed to more than 14,000 industry professionals every month, the magazine also reaches readers through its various social media platforms, including Facebook at Woodall CM, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Woodall's Campground Magazine also offers a daily e-blast, which highlights the top news from the industry. The best part? Everything we do is advertiser-supported and free to our readers. As the outdoor hospitality industry continues to grow at a rapid pace, it is important to stay up-to-date on trends and other relevant news. Subscribe to Woodall's Campground Magazine at woodallscm.com. I'm Ben Quiggle, and welcome back to WCM's Park Update. Our guest is Kara Sismadia with the Canadian Camping and RV Council. And I think I'm saying your last name right, Kara. Is... Yeah, Ben, I, yeah, I know. It's amazing. make a comment and make you, and embarrass you. You know, I'm usually he doesn't, he, he doesn't get Smith oh, yeah. and Jones right. So this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I... Compared to my other last oh, name. Yeah, your la other last name was The other one was the whole thing. And so <laughs> I was concerned about this one. I'm really proud of you, Ben. Really. What was your other one? Uh, Brought again. Brought yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were just Kara B. It was kind of like a rap star. So, yeah. <laughs> so Perfect. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, this one, my maiden name, um, I most people have more issues with. So I'm I'm proud of you. That yeah, you yeah, we've been working. I I practiced all weekend. So you know, wow. so and I know. So what's the what's the vendor situation look like up there for your show and just in general? Did did they yeah. come out of the of the pandemic? If we want to say we're out of it, but but uh, did most of them survive in good shape and did they return to a show like yours? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I will say, um, you know, in, in 2021, when we did the first virtual uh, version, the, mo the majority of um, our supplier participants were based in the States. 
And we're really seeing a shift. Um, you know, 2022, we saw even more Canadian participants. And yeah. now in 23, again, uh, even more. So I, I think that's a combination of, you know, brand awareness, awareness about the association and the show itself. Um, but also, you know, that the exponential kind of growth and success of the industry over the last couple of years has has put more focus on it and more ability to kind of see it as a, a really viable option for a lot of these suppliers. We've had a couple of great um, supporters come in that are, are Canadian companies, um, uh, a, an electrical component supplier that does like RV site pedestals and, and EV charging components and things like that. Um, that are based in Ontario and uh, a couple of glamping partners that are have been great supporters the last couple of years um, and and we're seeing you know uh, parks utilize their their product and and so they're really seeing a ton of growth and continuing to support um, that said we do have wonderful incredible support from our suppliers south of the border as well um, I can officially announce that Camp Spot is once again our title sponsor. Um, they've title sponsored now. Uh, this will be the third year in a row. Um, and we're so, so grateful for their support. They are kind of exponentially growing their, their base uh, business here in Canada. And uh, we've got tons of parks that really love their product. So uh, we'd love to see that support continue. Um, we do have some Canadian reservation software providers um, partners that, uh, you know, have been great supporters too. So both sides of the border, we can't do it without them, but definitely the, the Canadian, um, outlook is growing in terms of this, the supplier side of things for sure. I think, I think something we talk about all the time on the show is the EV stuff. And you mentioned the electrical suppliers. Um, I guess, you know, what's that look like in Canada? Are you seeing more EVs on the road and, is that something campground owners are starting to look at, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, we are seeing a, a huge growth in terms of uh, our EV ownership, pardon me, um, up here and, and absolute need for infrastructure, charging infrastructure expansion. Um, you know, there are some highly trafficked areas of the country that it's a bit of a wait to get into the charging stations and things like that. Um, so that those are hurdles and, and issues that need to be addressed. Our federal government is actually um, providing some grant funding specifically for businesses, including campgrounds to install uh, charging facilities. Um, so we actually will have a session specifically about that grant program during the, the conference um, and, and okay. you can let uh, campground owners know how to apply and what that process is, looks like, but in a in a kind of the grand scheme of things, yes, we have we have, there's a massive push here from our federal government to um, prioritize that shift to EVs, and I think you know campgrounds are are kind of a natural fit in terms of electrical infrastructure provision and stuff like that. Um, we do have some hurdles in the way. Um, you know, I do have some campground operators really concerned about this in terms of things like um, the, the electrical infrastructure being able to support the additional, uh, to bear the additional weight of that much more consumption. Um, yep. 
there are several, I have several members who say to me all the time, you know, in the midst of July or August, when we're running 300 air conditioners in here and, you know, I, I already see brownouts happening. Um, so to add the potential for, you know, everybody at every site also plugging their car in and, you know, those kinds of things, there just isn't the, the supply available for that kind of demand. So we have a few um, hurdles in our path, some, some things that need addressing on the political and, and infrastructure side uh, to get it to where I think the, the push is, is going. But um, we have included a lot of that in our upcoming advocacy messaging that, that we'll work on in 2023. Um, so I, I foresee good support on that front. Obviously, it's a, yeah. it's a big societal shift that's impacting every industry, but um, it's, it's going to need addressing at the, at the infrastructure provision level. What was, yeah, what was kind of interesting, too, is I just read an article the other day from Illinois about mm -hmm. how they're expecting a decrease in uh, funding from the gas uh, taxes because of more fuel efficient vehicles and the EV trend. So mm -hmm. that's kind of something else too that nobody's talked about is like, you know, what's that funding for the roads and stuff look like? Because I, I know down here in the US, the majority of the funding for roads comes from gas taxes and, mm -hmm. different, and different things. So I know Montana has a law pending right now that would uh, put a surcharge on the electric vehicle purchase just to cover that yeah, or right. attempt to. Yeah, well, and I agree. I, I mean, I live in a very oil-rich province. It's it's our top industry here, and it is top of mind and consistently comes up in in conversations. We're kind of in an election phase right now, and so you're definitely hearing those rumbles on on uh, you know either side of the aisle in terms of recapturing that that uh, capital. It's it's going to be really important, I think, to be uh, strategic about how quickly. Um, these shifts are happening and, and thoughtful about recouping that uh, infrastructure support in terms of dollars. I know uh, here in the U.S. we've been also uh, seeing a trend towards all-year camping. Is And I know earlier you had mentioned that some places in Canada might be open all year. Is that a trend that, you know, you feel is going to continue to spread or um, you know, is it just too cold? People don't want to go to Northern Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do have a bit of a of a conundrum here, right? I do yeah. think there's big appetite to to shift lifestyle to that type of format, especially now as we see, you know, the ability to kind of work on the road and and be remote and all those things. It really facilitates the the option to to be more kind of nomadic and a lot of people love that um and so i do think you know obviously specifically on the west coast where the climate is very temperate we do have several year-round um properties mm -hmm. there is kind of a dynamic there that it kind of shifts a lot of that over into tenancy as opposed to recreation and outdoor hospitality and and yeah I think that's going to be a factor in some of this too you know depending on your jurisdiction the legislation can impact uh, what your business model can look like um even if you're open year-round there may be i know in some counties there's the requirement for your guests to not stay full-time in that way in it, it because it instead shifts over to a tenancy kind of landlord tenant scenario and and 
those uh, laws and regulations and all of those things are very different. Um, so that's a factor, I think, in some of that. Um, overall, I, I think the uh, willingness or interest in that type of lifestyle will continue to grow, um, especially given kind of how expensive real estate is and those kinds of things. Um, but we will probably main, remain heavily reliant on uh, campgrounds south of the border for the winter months, simply because we have site inventory issues. There's just, I mean, we saw during the pandemic when, when uh, full-time RVers couldn't head south, our, uh, our few uh, parks that are accessible in the wintertime and, and open and operational were booked up snapped up quick there were tons of of full-time RVers that just kind of had to park and, and find a place instead and and rent a house or or whatever instead because there just wasn't the site inventory available without the ability to cross the border and, and head into the states um I don't see that changing considering the the climate dynamic it's it's darn cold up here in the winter time and, and... some people like the cold weather I'm yeah. not one of them I stay away from the cold as much as possible, but some people really love that. So, well, see, I, I was born in North Dakota, so I can say that I live in the South now because it's Nebraska South. Yeah. <laughs> so, you you mentioned glamping as, as vendors that are are your supporters too. That's got to be a relatively new dynamic to camping in general, as far as your members go. And you you said that there's a quite a few that are adding glamping. Do you have some members that are are specifically totally glamping? I do. Yeah, um, we've got a couple of really unique, cool properties that that are doing glamping entirely, um, and and they've got some really in, ingenuous, kind of unique, cool, creative uh, experiences to offer. Um, but the majority of those are those are pretty rare. Um, we do have several members who are kind of doing a hybrid model or mm -hmm. or are have been have kind of used glamping as a way to expand or or diversify their revenue model by kind of extending into shoulder seasons and and offering different experiences that target a different market and and those kinds of things. It's been a very strategic move for uh, those members that are making that choice. You. You mentioned, you know, the campsite demand. Um, mm -hmm. I know down here in the U.S. we have a lot of developments going on, but there's also definitely areas of the country where it's very difficult to develop parks. Mm -hmm. It depends really on the zoning and planning. How is yeah. that in Canada? Is it easier for, you, you know, is it, can people build parks in Canada? Is it pretty easy? Is it difficult? Does it depend on the area? Is, you know, are people open to more park developments, I guess? It does tend to really depend on on the area of the country you're in, um, and even even more further down to a micro level, often really depends on the county, um, and and their overall kind of. Sometimes the constituency really impacts that. You know, uh, some folks don't aren't interested in welcoming tourists into their areas and things like that. So, um, you know, there's there's a broad amount of variables that impact uh, the answer to that question. I think um, we definitely are seeing um, more support in, in several areas of the country from our, our at the government level. Um, and, and that's great to see. Um, 
so I anticipate we will we'll continue to see growth and development, but there are some some regulatory kind of hurdles and barriers in place that, that can make it difficult. Um, changing zoning and, and things like that is sometimes a really um, overwhelming uphill climb um, for, for developers. But I do think, especially given that we're seeing more and more kind of larger groups, uh, both begin to develop, but also purchase properties and, and grow and expand them, um, that will continue to, to help the site inventory shortage issues. Um, I did just see a, an announcement of a new, a smaller hotel group here in Alberta has, has been purchasing up hotel properties for a few years, but they just bought their first campground. Um, and so, you know, things like that happening, I think are really going to uh, help shift perspective about, you know, how, what a campground can, can do for your, a group like that can really advocate with their uh, the com connections that they have at, at the county and, and provincial and federal government levels to say, you know, we can really impact the, the tax situation in this area and all of those things. And, and so they tend to have a, a good voice that I think will help the industry overall in terms of perspective about um, campgrounds and, and development and things like that. They're, you know, they're going to be good environmental stewards and all of those things, just by nature of the fact that you know they've got an established experience with with uh, on the hotel side on the hospitality side already what what's been interesting down here is that we we see a lot of complaints before about the fact that people didn't want trailer parks like they didn't want like they had this picture of like a, a trashy trailer park mm -hmm. and then these bigger companies come in and like sun outdoors northgate and they're like blue water and they're like hey look we're not building trailer parks we're building these 200 site beautiful resorts and then the people complain because it's too big and it's bringing in too many people so yeah. uh you know it's between like a rock and a hard place they <laughs> So uh, that's been kind of interesting to see. But um, yeah, the perception, I think, down here in the U.S. is definitely changing as to what a campground looks like um, mm -hmm. for the majority of people. I think there's still a large group of people that picture like a, a trailer park, uh, you know, when they uh, think of a campground. But um, yeah, that takes time, I guess. So for sure. Yeah. And and consistent, you know, messaging and, and communication with uh, officials, but also, you know, consumer targeted effort as well. I think uh, the more campers are out on the roads, the more kind of ability we have to start to shift that that perspective and, and make people see things in a, in a slightly different way, for sure. Yeah. So as we get ready to wrap up the show, I just wanted to ask real quick, um, mm -hmm. You know, looking five, maybe 10 years down the road, do you anticipate growth in the Canadian market? Uh, you know, are there any challenges that might, you know, throw a hiccup in there? Or do you anticipate just continued growth, I guess? Yeah, I 100%. I, I think folks will continue to camp. I think, um, you know, we've seen on both sides of the border how, you know, even in times of kind of economic instability and things like that, camping tends to be you know, pretty resilient. Um, I don't, I don't anticipate that changing this, the EV uh, issue, I think is going to shift things significantly. Um, 
that's that's probably going to be the biggest factor over the next handful of years, in my opinion, about, you know, considering, you know, getting gas vehicles off the road entirely and stuff like that. The anticipation to do that within in within that time frame, I think it's um, going to be really interesting. Um, we've also got, you know, this this shift to glamping as great as it is. It's also oftentimes pulling more RV sites out of inventory, right? Mm -hmm. You're, and it's and it's shifting the target demographic to one that can afford to spend three hundred dollars a night in a campground or 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 whatever instead of fifty or sixty for a campsite. Um, so those those things I think will have interesting impacts on on what camping looks like in the next decade or so um but overall i i absolutely i see continued growth being uh, a, a definite um we've got tons of space to to do more camping here and uh i think if if you know our partners at the manufacturer and dealer associations have anything to say about it we'll continue to sell rvs uh as much as possible and and Add, add more and more to the road they've got to get they've got to have somewhere to go yeah one more one more quick question Kara. that there was a story in rv travel uh website this weekend about an automated park mm -hmm. uh totally automated park nobody there it was just i think it was 67 dollars a night mm -hmm. anything like that up in canada along the along trans canada or anything like that um, no, not yet. Um, I could see our um, provincial and federal parks uh, starting to shift to that. One of their biggest um, hurdles is labor and, and getting staffing into some of those remote locations, especially in, in areas of the country where, you know, some of those campgrounds are only open for six or eight weeks of the year. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so staffing them is really tough. I think those kinds of innovations will probably start applying in places like that first. Um, but to my knowledge, I, I'm not aware of anything. I, I'm, you know, I know of several operators who are doing automated kiosks already for check-in and things like that that are helping with with their labor scenario. But nowhere to my knowledge that is completely unmanned. <laughs> there you go, Mike. Good investment right. opportunity. There yeah, you boy. go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Kara, for coming on the show. Um, you can learn more about the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference and Expo at cohce.ca. And we'll have the link to that in the description of this video. And uh, it, it was great catching up, Kara. And hopefully you have a great west, rest of the winter in Canada. So, yeah. Thank you, so yeah, take care. Bye. Have a Thank you for listening to WCM's Park Update, a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Join us for a new show each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for daily news and updates, and subscribe to our news feed on our website at woodallscm.com. Show hosts are Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. Executive producers Rick Kessler and Alex Burkett. Copyright 2022, G&G Media Group.